Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Connecting to the big show. In Keeping dogs properly and responsibly. That is what we're trying to do. We can't do it anymore. I was so angry listening to him. A hundred euro is all we'll get, basically, for our baby. Between the jazz and Christmas, you know, you could slip in a bank holiday in, you know, late November, early December. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 PJ Coogan. What did she say there, the woman from the weather forecast from the Mete? Did she say some people are praying for rain? No, sorry. Wash out your mouth with soap and water. Or go down to Gary Vaux and wash out your mouth with soap and seawater. No, 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 no. If I never saw another sup of the sup between now in the middle of September, I'd be happy. What a fantastic June weekend. That was the most sweet and gorgeous June weekend I can remember in a long time. I think the last time we had a June weekend like that was 2013. Uh, and I remember it very clearly because at the time I was doing a bit of jocking down at the old Rochestown Inn. And we used to do an open air thing on a Sunday. And it was scorching. And it didn't really stop it sort of got a bit cooler and there was the odd shower here and there right until nearly early August it was one of the best summers I can ever remember in my entire life so if we're going for another one of those I'll take it hands down good morning to you thank you to Gareth for Thursday and Friday I hope you did have a wonderful weekend we will kick off with one of the biggest events that happened across the weekend. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people got out on Sunday and braved the heat. To be fair, you'd have been very much braving the heat on Sunday. If you were out for the Cork City Marathon, now people did a half marathon, people did 10k. One young man I know very well, young Sam Hegarty from Douglas, he did a 10k with his mates and indeed did a marvellous job. And there was loads of people. There was fantastic scenes of camaraderie and goodwill and fun and just people being kind to one another, being nice to each other around the city marathon because it was a really warm day. It was a scorcher of a day. Sunday was an absolute belter of a day. We headed off down to uh, we headed off down to, to East Cork in the in the afternoon once the traffic restrictions were lifted but in Turner's Cross for example there was people hosing down the runners, it was fantastic, I saw some video people out with the garden hoses 
and running a little, you know, yeah. Of course, there'll be some fellas saying, you're wasting your water. But listen, hey, it was fun and it was lovely. And it was a really, really hot day. The, the, the winner was a guy called um, Powell Kosek. Uh, he'd been second last year and he won it this year. A uh, Polish lad. Uh, he came over the finishing line, Patrick Street, uh, in uh, 2.28.24. It would take me that long to think about driving it. Just me. Uh, he said the heat was tough. I bet it was. I bet it was. It was his fourth Cork City Marathon. The first woman over the line was Georgie Brunvels. I hope I have the name right. A member of the Aldershot and Farnham Athletic Club. And she joins me. Georgie is someone with a Cork connection. Um, and she won the, the women's race in a time of 2.42.15. She was 15 minutes ahead of second-placed Zola Flynn. Good, uh, Georgie, good morning and congratulations to you. Thank you very much. Hi, nice to speak with you. Your connections to Cork, what are yeah. they? So, um, <laughs> my three times great grandfather um, designed the reconstruction of the Cork Courthouse yeah. in Washington Street in 1891, actually. Um, my mum remembers many times she would come over um, to the area when she was young and we were actually walking past the courthouse and my mum was like, oh my goodness, this is it. And I think we're, we're very like fond of um, the Irish side of our family. And it's, Your great, it's really great, great grandfather, that is, was William, William yes, Henry William, Hill. William Henry Hill, yeah. yeah. He, was in, he was responsible for some churches as well. He was, he the, was yeah. <laughs> He designed actually a church very close to us here, uh, St. Luke's yeah. Church, which is only a two minutes walk from, yeah. the, from the radio station. And I think there's a plaque there actually in remembrance of him as well. Yeah. Would you be a, a regular visitor to Cork over the years? Um, I actually come over to Ireland quite a lot, um, not to Cork specifically. Um, actually, my family, so they moved from Cork to Villiers Town. In Waterford, um, yeah. So, yeah, Waterford. So um, we actually doctor there on the way but um, yeah we have some family in the relative vicinity but not actually in Cork now So what's your day job Georgie other than running Cork City Marathon and things like that what's what? <laughs> um, So I'm a researcher and applied scientist so um, I primarily work with female athletes um, and I guess my, my main focus is supporting them around the hormonal changes. So really focusing on the menstrual cycle and understanding like barriers to sport, um, but then also really trying to drive increased participation and um, I guess performance through education um, and doing research. So um, yeah, I actually work for an Irish company called Orico, um, yeah. who are from Sligo originally, but then have um, offices in Galway. I see. So your research is based on women in sport. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. What What are the things you you look at particularly? You mentioned the menstrual cycle there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, I guess like hormonal fluctu- fluctuations, hormonal changes, um, and like really trying to understand so we know that say for example 95% of female athletes experience unwanted symptoms associated with the menstrual cycle yet 85% have never had any education about it um, so I'm really trying to close the gap with my team and, and a number of my colleagues um, by like delivering education, but then also thinking about how we can get them to the field of play or the tennis court or the yeah. swimming pool in as best shape as 
possible by really understanding them because everyone is unique and yeah. individual. Everyone's body presents different, yeah. differently. Fifty percent, if you like, of the sporting population of the world have this thing that happens once a month and yeah. might affect their performance. I mean, if you're an athlete with an important race coming up, for example, you're watching the date. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. There's four billion women, and I think actually latest figures it's 51 percent women um, across the life cycle. Women actually typically spend 10 years of their life actually menstruating. So um, it's something which for so long we've kind of shamed and not wanted to talk about, but. We're all about flipping it on its head and really changing the narrative because you're so right, like people count the days and, and dread the idea of it. But in all reality, actually, knowledge is power. And we know that if you're proactive and prepared, it can mitigate symptoms like and hopefully take them away altogether. And actually, many people like Paula Radcliffe would widely talk about this, how on her period, she would actually run really well and she broke the record when she was menstruating, the world record when she was menstruating. So, but if you're not proactive and prepared, then effectively you're less likely to achieve. And that's the work you do, researching how best to improve that for women. Researching and then doing education as well. So I've kind of got a hybrid role of doing research and then um, being applied as well. How better to apply it than by running exactly. things like the Cork City Marathon, Georgie? I, I know that, and, and thank you for taking our call, because I, I know you're rushing for a flight. So is it business or pleasure you're headed to the States for? Business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you get to it. And thank you very much thank for being us. Congratulations again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cheers, Georgie, and safe, safe journey to the States. That's Georgie Bunvels. The winner of the women's race at the Cork City Marathon on Sunday, headed to the to the US of A on business. Thank you, Georgie. Right, John O'Driscoll. I love this Facebook post. John, six months ago, you were in prison and you ran the marathon on Sunday. Good morning and congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, six months ago, I was inside in prison, and uh, yeah, I uh, got help. And uh, yeah, things are going well. Good man. Good. And did you start well. training inside or what? Yes, to be quite honest, I've had a, I had enough of it all. I'm in and out with twenty years. Um, okay. Yeah, just drinking and drugging and wasting my life away. To be quite honest. Okay. Okay. You know, I'm just fed up, overweight, everything. You know, and I just got fed up, and I went in there. And the first day I went in there again, I just decided to stop everything. How long were you, long were you in for? Four months this time, three months to the day. Okay, okay. And you just decided, right, this is it? I had enough inside there, and I asked him inside there that I need someone to talk to. I was yeah. kind of talking to a person out here, but he got moved. Okay, okay. Do you know, it's really important that people talk, because if they don't, do you know, it just blows up inside you. Yeah, and you were kind of, uh, like you said, in and out to the prison for 20 years. In and out, in and out. It's the only door that stays open. I call it the hotel on top of the hill. Nice way of putting it. And you just decided, I've had enough, I need to talk to someone. What happened then? How did how did it go from there? I mean, then I said to the governor, I said to the governor, man, he said, yeah, this is, I need to see someone. I said, my head's not right. I goes, I need to talk to someone. Okay. Because I found out before, holding it all in, it's not good. I see. So before I started anything, I just needed to see someone. I got talking to a counsellor inside there. It wasn't very often. I only seen him three times, I think. Yeah. In the three months I was in there because he was full. 
Yeah. But in the meantime, I started working on myself. All my relationships was done, except my partner, you know, the family, my kids. They all had enough of it. I had enough of it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I was in and I was in and out the last two years. I'm, uh, I was registered as homeless. I was inside there working with Frances Russell. She couldn't do nothing, couldn't even get me into the Vincent's, couldn't get me into the B&B. So when I got back out, back in again, no, that's no excuse about going back in and out. It's just that, yeah, it's hard when you're at home. It's hard when you don't want to be home. <clears throat> and the only way to get anything these days is through all this, you know. And I worked with them inside there, and they said, John, it just seems that the council, and I've never had dealings with the council, like, uh, just said that they, 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 they don't seem to want to help you. So when I got out, I went back in again for the four months, and same thing. I even said to her inside, I said, the reason I'm in here, I said, is because of you. The other fellow inside, I call him Carey, gentleman of a fella. He said, John, you'd know, he says, if that was me, he says, I'd try 100%. Yeah. And I said, yes, I do. You once said she phoned two B&Bs for me. Yeah. So when I came well, let's, up... Let's, 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 let's not make it about anybody personally here, I suppose, John, but look, you've you got different, different responses from different people, I guess, is the best way to put it. What well, you need to understand, uh, I'm not the only one in this position. Oh, I'm not sure. the. I was in there, so I know what the, all the prisoners are saying inside sure, there. Know, prisoners know, in my position. So I'm, I understand. I'm not. I'm only trying to look out for them to be quite I honest. Nothing else. I understand. But from the day you looked for help, the the, the help was there, and you then when you started to train. I got the then. help and I got out. I got the help and I got out. The proper help of Cork Alliance. Ah, oh, yeah, we've, we've, we've spoken to Sheila before. She's done great work. We've spoken to Sheila a few yes, times. I've yeah. been working with her. And okay. I just want a big shout out to her. She's after surgery. I hope she's doing well. Okay. We send our best wishes to her. She's been on the program a few times. They do, they do wonderful work there. So you started training. Was was Who set you the target of the marathon? Or did you decide, right, this is something I'd like to spend my time getting ready for? I started running with my best mate down here. Um, things got all hiccuped inside in Cork uh, with my partner. Yeah, okay. As in, my partner was inside in Cork, and when they found out I got out of jail, she's under my tenancy. They didn't want to leave me in the B&B. Okay. So okay. then we had to go down and stay in the coach. So then I came back down to where I'm living, and me and my, pa- me and my best mate started training. Okay. He's like my, uh, he's like my uh, sponsor. I got you. And then he just said he's entering the mountain, so I was only training six weeks. I said I'd ever go off the half. And yeah, it's just 13 miles, to be quite honest. I never in my life ran it in an hour and 57 minutes. Never. An hour and 57, that's brilliant, John. Well done. It was, it was brilliant. Thanks. That's fantastic. And there's a brilliant picture of you here on Facebook. You're fit and healthy, man. No, I am. No, I am. But, like, it takes a lot of work out there. Like, there's a lot of people that I know inside in jail that are dead now. That are dead. Do you know what? They're only going in for a few months and they're coming out. Yeah. And I, I know there's people out there helping them, but you're putting them back into the same position. They're going back into the Vincent. They're going back into the same. And it's ramping with drinking drugs inside there. You know, there's people inside that are saying this to them. Do you know what you said I to mean, me actually is very a good way of describing things that the the prison it's the only door that's open to you sometimes listen it's a revolving door you know and that's the truth 
And to be quite honest, you see a lot, and it saves a lot of people, even though they don't like the middle, it saves a lot of people. But what kind of life is it when you're on the streets and you're going in and you're coming out on the streets? And do you know, I see them out around the place, and, it's, and I know better myself. I'm staying in my mates at the moment with my partner, but at the end of the day, like I'm looking, I've never in my life done this. I never stayed off drink, I never stayed off drugs, never trained. This is a prison life to me. I always said inside in jail, if I could get this life outside, I would fucking be brilliant. Easy, easy. Yeah, and to be quite honest, yeah. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, in other words, every time, you you were, you were going in, I think the, the penny is falling with me here now, you were going into jail to get clean sometimes. I was going, in, no, no, not to get clean. Listen, I was going into jail. I was 17 and a half stone, fat from drink. Yeah, and tablets. And to be quite honest, mate, I was in the darkest spot I've ever been in. Yeah. And there was no one there. There was no one there to give me a hand, to tell you the truth. Yes. I had officers looking in at me at six o'clock in the morning and I'm on the floor training. Are you all right inside there, John? I am perfectly fine. You know, John had a lot to do. John had a lot to overcome. The biggest fight you will ever have is with yourself. People say, oh... The new you was brilliant. It's not the new me at all. This is the old me that was always inside, that was dying to get out. But society had a leg on top of my head because I come from a travelling background, you see. And at a young age, when you're getting bullied and this and that and blah, 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 yeah, it's hard. It's hard to tell you the truth. Very hard. You don't be given much of a break. I know. I think I'm the only one inside in jail that got eight months for pissing inside in the cell on the floor because I was twisted. Is that not wasting time inside in prison? Yeah. Do you know, and money. And money, to be quite honest. Keeping you there is I expensive, yeah. I done six months out of that. That's about 20 grand. I know. But what, pissing up against the cell door, which I paid 150 euros to get it cleaned? Yeah. Yeah. So what's the what's it's what's the plan now, my man? You've got your medal in your pocket. You're oh, looking fit and well. What's the listen, plan? I am. I, listen, I'm just taking it day by day. I've a load of courses done with Cork Alliance. I've a load of, and uh, Simon Community. Mm. I've twelve applications, thirteen applications sent in for work. Good man. Do you know, I'm just looking and, and I'm helping a couple of people around the place. Good I'm man. passing it how, on. How do you stay work? How do you work on staying clean day to day? I don't hang around with Egypt. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I don't hang around with Egypt, and that's being honest with you. And Egypt would be the same people as myself. Do you know? And that, 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 I just call it as I see it. Do you know? I'm yeah. 42 years old, and I've wasted it. All, my kids are 16 and 15. I've been in jail for all their lives. Yes, man. And now I've got the Gaudi punching my little four, 15 year olds. So let's let's not don't make any accusations, though, because we don't just tell me about tell me about the kids. When do do you see them? Yeah, we've got twins, but yeah, great relationship with them now. Everything is brilliant. Good man. Everything. My life is completely done alone. It wasn't a right to find God. It was God that found me on the twelfth of April. Gone to tell you the truth. Tell me a bit about that. Tell me a bit about that. Listen, people, anyone that knows me knows well I don't be talking stupid. I was on the bus heading into a course. I was coming in from coming in by the Bishop's Town Bar 
I was sitting in the back of the bus. It was a wet day. I had a big jacket on. Next thing, all of a sudden, I'm listening to a song on the phone, and boom, my two hands lifted up into the air. I did not up into the air, just up there, so right. I didn't do it. I looked down. I could see my the hairs of my hand lifted. Next thing, I get a belt into the chest, but I didn't move. And I got pulled forward on the bus. When I leaned forward down, the tears started rolling down my eyes. When I leaned back and I didn't move, I didn't do none of this. I don't drink, I don't take drugs, don't smoke fags, nothing. When I leaned back, I was the happiest man in the planet. And from that day onward, everything is just after. I think it was, I was living right. But was I mentally, spiritually? No. But no, everything is good with me, thank God. 12th of April. And what do you believe happened yeah. on the bus? And I think, how do I know it was 10 to 10? Because some woman, she's probably listening, Lucy Luce, Lucy Lucy, I don't know. I don't even have her as a friend. No, I do. She sent me a message from God. She said, this is a message from God. At 10 to 10. This is when this experience just stopped my phone and beep, beep. And I picked it up and it said, this is a message from God to you. I was like, man, above. And I'm not one of these fellas that'll be... Okay. I mean, just say a Bible basher and they're not running no and down. That's what I'd be calling it. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, everything since then has been absolutely brilliant. Well, I'm delighted. In, as in, like, with me. I'm delighted for you. And. Thank you very much. Yeah. John, it's an amazing story and a great way to start off our, our week. Positive story that you are in, in jail for the umpteenth time and you just discovered. That turning point in your life, and here you are now, having done the half marathon in an hour and 57, looking fresh and fit and healthy. And we wish you continued success in staying clean and continued success in rebuilding your life. Thank you, John. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork Diary. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organization, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 0833969696. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96. It kind of took my eyes off the whole uh, Holly and Phil and this morning crack for the last few days I'd had. I'd had quite enough of it, thank you very much. By the time we, we broke up, or I broke up on, on Wednesday and headed away for my long weekend. But of course it continued in my absence. They didn't need my permission to continue to make Egypts of themselves. Um, and then uh, Holly, Willie, Willie B was, or Willow B was back on the couch yesterday morning um, with a big long spiel about how everything was going and how we were thinking of everything in this lovely wonderful family of ours at the same time Eamon Holmes was was doing his thing on another channel going this is all a load of rubbish still that one's not over but we will see where, where it, I'll, I'll play that if you, if you missed it if you care I'll play it for a minute what, um, what Holly had to say uh, yesterday morning. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yes, believe it or not, people still do care. There's another lovely video, it's only a few seconds long from the marathon and we talked months ago, uh, Emer, how are 
James and JJ. Morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Um, James and JJ are good. They're good. Um, I suppose James still has a bit of a journey to go this year. Um, we still have a good few tests and definitely at least one major surgery ahead. But yeah. all in all, he's great. Remind us again, because we talked at length one morning about about the lads um, and about your yeah. TikTok journey with them. You just yeah. bringing people to... Do you mind, remind us again, uh, for people who don't know, James and JJ are your two kids. And James in particular yeah. has had a difficult start in life. Yes. So James was hospitalised at 15 days old. And he was hospitalized with neonatal sepsis. And then as well as that, he had a really extensive infection of um, MSSA. So that basically infected different joints on his body from the top of his spine to the tip of his toe. Um, We've recently found out two of his ribs that were infected haven't grown and things like that. So it's kind of one of those things we don't know the long-term effects yet of how extensive this infection has been. But as a whole, he's great. Like he's mm. seven months old now and he's doing his bit of crawling. He's chatting loads. He's eating. So I was going to ask you that. He's whole, making he's his great. little milestones, is he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's hit all milestones, you know, in perfect timing and things like that, which is a miracle in itself. Yeah, you've amassed a massive... TikTok following and Instagram following through telling yeah. his his story day to day. Yeah. yeah, well, I suppose it's one of those things if I could help someone, you know, in the situation that we've been in. And actually what I found is more people have helped me than I've helped in the sense that even that little clip that I put up on TikTok, it was actually a follower took that and sent it to me I didn't even like nobody was there to take that video for us so someone in the crowd actually took that of us going up to the finishing line of me my dad and the two boys so that was very special too yeah that's I I take it you didn't run the distance with the two boys up in your arms no (laughs) no I definitely didn't do that that would have been a little bit too much now considering I literally did zero training (laughs) Do you, do, you, do you run? Do you run much? Um, so when I was younger, I used to run for Leeville Athletic Club in Cork City. Um, I ran with them for like 10 or 11 years right. and I always loved running. And when I was pregnant with my first little boy, JJ, I ran up until I was like eight months pregnant. Right. Um, and then I was pregnant with James straight after JJ. And I haven't run, I'd say, in over a year and a half, definitely. Right. You've, 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 you've yeah. been too busy, like... <laughs> Yeah, well, this is it. I suppose when I was pregnant with James, I really, really wanted to run the half marathon this year. I was like, you know, it would be such a lovely milestone to hit. And, you know, going for my runs after I had given birth would have been so lovely and whatever. But obviously, you know, my circumstances changed very, very quickly after I had James and it was literally Thursday evening. My dad is amazing. He does ultra marathons. He's like the most fit person I've ever met in my life. Um, he just turned around to me and he said, Emer, like I'll enter the two of us. I'll run it with you. And all we need to do is cross the finish line. So that's what we did. Really? Oh, t- tell me a bit about your dad. Um, ultra marathons. Oh, my dad is crazy fit. Like, he's amazing. He's, you name it, he's done it. He literally is unbelievable. Like, he would rather run a marathon in the mountains than on the ground. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't love the road running as much as the mountain running. But yeah, he's done, like, he's done loads of races. He's done the Art O'Neill, like, loads of different ones. Right, yeah. And imagine him saying to you, come on, Ian, we're going to do it. And you're going, are you out of your mind here? I haven't trained, I haven't (laughs) trained. No, do you know, I ha- there's one thing I have to say about John. 
if John says, if John tells me to do something, I'm like, okay, we'll do it. And I kind of, once I decided I was going to do it, I was never going to not finish it, if that makes sense. Like my mind sure. was just switched to he the wouldn't mode let of, you. No. If he, and, if he had what? to pick you up and carry you, I'd say he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? It was one of those things. It was actually a really lovely kind of full circle moment because I suppose when I was pregnant with James, I didn't realize what was to come. And yeah. this was my goal. And then to still, you know, get to that goal and even crossing the finish line was actually really emotional when I was holding him. I was crying. I was like, this is just the most like amazing feeling to, you know, he's come so far. And now I've done this big thing that I really wanted to do. But, you know, we finished it as a little, you know, as a little family, like we had JJ, we had my dad, James and myself all crossing the finish line together. And it felt really, I don't know, I'm getting a bit emotional now, but it felt really... I don't know. It felt so like we've come well, through so much in the last eight months keep, that, you know, crossing the finishing line meant more to me than just crossing the finishing line, you know? Of course. Keep that video. And yeah. on, on his on his 21st birthday, <laughs> put it on the big screen. Yeah, literally. That's the plan anyway. <laughs> Emer, congratulations to you and to your dad. And best to the family. Um, you can follow her, uh, Miss Hallahan, on TikTok or Instagram. They're just lovely videos. She does stuff all day, every day, about her kids and about her life and about it's it's fun. And I followed her when we I interviewed her a few months ago. And in order to do the interview, I had to follow her on TikTok. And I never unfollowed her afterwards. Sometimes you follow someone and you unfollow them afterwards because, well, uh, you know. We've we've had our conversation. But no, uh, Emer's fun. I follow her on TikTok all the time. Thank you. 0818969696. Now, there was uh, other videos of people helping one another across the finish line. <laughs> There's a very famous um, clip of sporting history of this guy being helped across the finish line of a marathon in a stadium. But I've never seen it happen on the street. And Rachel... People literally just did um, help. You you went back to help someone over the line. Morning. Um, morning, PJ. How are you? Hi. Um, yeah, I was coming in along by Patrick Street along the finish line and there was a man assisting a lady. She was doing the full and her legs were just gone and I had grabbed the lady with the man and we started bringing her up and it was just... Um, lovely to be able to help someone and I knew she'd put in fierce effort, you know, to get a full done and I was saying there was no way she wasn't getting to that finish line. How, how far had she left to go? I'd say maybe 300 metres. Oh, and, and, she um, was, and she was buckling at that stage? like My legs were gone like, oh. and uh, one of the kind of Red Cross uh, men started coming towards us with a wheelchair and I was like no no she's not getting in the wheelchair she's going to finish this you know yeah. so we managed to get her across the line and then anyone that kind of runs would normally know that you normally have a watch and you normally connect it to your Strava or your Garmin and I started shouting pause her watch pause her watch so she'd have her time but um, I was looking then she actually had no watch so I was like alright <laughs> Well, but, well, well done to you. You're a, you sound like you've a bit of experience. Uh, well, I'm running a few years, but to be honest, now you laugh. I actually don't enjoy running. I just love the people, the atmosphere, and the friendships along the way. 
and I have never actually completed a full marathon myself. Bar last August, I did the Ironman. So I did the oh, full marathon in that. just the Ironman, like. <laughs> I mean, come on. So that's a swim, a cycle, and a marathon. Yeah, but I've never done a standalone marathon. That's so. a, Hey, hang on. You've done an Ironman, woman. Cute. Oh, I, I've never even done it. I just did an Ironman. You know yourself. Ah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there is less... I've always said, I think there was less pressure to do the Ironman marathon because you have done the other distances. Whereas if you're doing a standalone marathon... I think people go out and want a flat out effort, which I don't think I could commit to that because I don't enjoy running. So what did you do? Did you, did you do the full? No, I did the half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I could yeah. barely run across the road, woman, so I mean, I can, yeah. <laughs> I'm, never, I'm loving that one. <laughs> I, believe, um, I believe that lady, if I look at her bib number, I believe she did 405 in the mm. full anyway, which is unbelievable in that brilliant. red and the heat. It was unbelievable. And it was very frightening on the course, actually. There was a lot of people passed out and needing assistance. So well done to a lot of bystanders, other runners that stopped their race yeah. to help other people along the route. And I was offering other runners water and gels and stuff. Yeah. Because I don't think people realise how much it takes out of you in the heat. I can't imagine. I mean, like the, the, you, the chap who won, Pavel... He said, he, he said, it wasn't nice, it wasn't fun, it, it was very hot. And he still came in in 2.28. His time was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was like, could you imagine what he'd do on a cool day? That's the thing. And um, I just want to give a special mention as well. I'm part of the Blackwater Triathlon Club in Formoy. Yeah. And one of our members, Ashley Byrne O'Brien, is actually undergoing um, cancer treatment at the moment. And a group of them, uh, the Warrior Women, did the 10K in aid of um, Cork Cancer Centre. Right. So they were raising funds for that. So I just want to give a huge shout out to them. That was amazing. Like, and she ran, she ran the ten k and everything. Oh, she? she ran in it mid, in yeah. mid treatment. Oh, in yeah, and the weekend before, she actually did a triathlon. So Ashley is just amazing. What? Is this a woman who eats gravel with milk for her breakfast or something? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know what she so what she's on, but absolutely amazing. I've never seen someone be so upbeat, so positive and just keep going while undergoing cancer treatment. She uh, is phenomenal. That's incredible. When you've given she, her a, you've given yeah. her a, a well deserved mention this morning. And well done to you, Rachel, for, as well. And can I just say for anyone as well that might be into triathlon and looking for a race to do, we have our own club race on the eighteenth of June, so Father's Day, if anyone's dad, someone could buy them an entry. Tell me something, what what does that entail? Um, so there's three distances. There's the triathlete, so I think that's a 250-metre swim, a 20k bike, and a 5k run. Okay. And it's the River Blackwater, and from why that should be swimming in, so it's a river swim. And then there's the Olympic, that, no, there's the sprint then, that's 750-metre swim, 20k bike, and I think 5k run again. Right. And you have the Olympic, so that's... Um, is that 1,500 metre swim, 40k bike and 10k run? Okay, all right. Nice and handy on a day oh. out. Rachel, oh, lovely day. <laughs> good luck to everyone. And thank you very much. You've brightened up our morning as before you as John and Emer.
And indeed, Georgie, uh, who won the ladies' race. And there were some great stories all over social from the marathon on day on, on Sunday. Thank you all. 0818969696. Corks 96 FM's Week in Ibiza is coming. Listen to Win Your Way to the world's most famous party island. <laughs> party Island. <laughs> Just watch me dance. Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel. Tickets to David Gatter, Joe Corey, and Ocean Beach. Dinner at Cafe Mambo for the famous Habitha Sunset. And spending money. Spending money. Are you ready? Summertime. Oh, yeah. Stay listening to Cork's 96 FM weekdays for the biggest hits of the White Isle. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Win, win, win. Win your way to a week in a Only on Cork's 96FM. Watching the social last evening and reading up on stuff for the morning. We were keeping an eye on the story from Nocknahimi where there was a number of fires affected. Six rows, six houses affected. Three badly, I think. There was one still occupied. Um, councillor, local councillor Tony Fitzgerald can bring us up to speed. Tony, these houses, I know where they are now that I see the, the Google map and stuff, and they're not yeah. occupied all bar one. Morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. Um, yes, this is a block of uh, six houses under the regeneration scheme, um, which um, were due... Uh, there's one tenant um, still uh, on the block which uh, are due to move this week. They have been allocated a property um, so um, all going well if things have gone okay they would have moved this week uh, utilities would have been dismantled you know disconnected and then the next block would have been due for demolition mm. so unfortunately um, uh, last night around 9pm um, at, um, at the other end of the block uh, uh, where the houses were vacant um, uh, a fire was uh, a fire was seen at about after 9pm um, and the fire service came were there in the Gardaí, um and they contained the fire to three to three of the houses um to try and uh, avoid spreading through the whole block uh but uh i think uh, around 11:30 um the tenants uh, the residents were told uh, that they couldn't go back into their home because with smoke inhalation wasn't that safe sure so they didn't stay there last night but um may, you know there'll be supports put in place today to to move them quicker than they thought, um, to help them move into their new home. Do we know what um, happened, Tony? Is it is it being treated as suspicious? Uh, at, at, from what I hear from the fire service, PJ, um, I think the shutters were disturbed, but that has to be confirmed following an investigation by the fire service at the Gardaí today. Um, um, but that, if that is the case, that's very uh, disappointing and un- unacceptable. But we won't know until today. But I suppose the main thing is is that nobody was injured. Um, the fire service again were incredible in their work with the Gardaí, um, and you know that the that the the residents that are in that area will in that block will 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 have their new home much quicker than they thought uh, this week um, for, from under the regeneration scheme. How is the regeneration scheme going, Tony? I know it's been there since, I think, almost since I was a boy in school at this stage. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Happy days, PJ. You came up and looked around. Fair play. You gave it great support. Look, it's difficult enough. Like, it's, 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 um, 
you know, to move people, you know, families out um, in, in, in different blocks and move them while you're waiting for new houses to be built. Um, it, it is it is a challenge. There's no question about that. You know, moving home is a very difficult challenge in its own right. Uh, but sometimes you have you, you can set the pace to this. But this, I suppose, a lot of residents want to move to the same area together. That has been accommodated in some cases. Um, it really looks very well now driving up Harbourview Road, even though part of it now is a, a construction site, but the new area looks very well. Um, they're they're top-class homes. Mm. Um, um, and look, it's not about the bricks and mortar either. We have a lot of funding coming in for supporting, you know, say Vincent's and uh, early intervention for children and health and well-being and the library. Mm. So it's a package. It's not just about the houses. It's also about the social Supports and you know people are coming into not you're, you're building you're, you're, re- you're, you're, you're really rebuilding a suburb rather than just rebuilding some houses. You're rebuilding and well, re- well, refurbishing an entire suburb. Yeah, well, I suppose the, the 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 refurbishment scheme at the first phase, PJ, which you remember well, it didn't really work because we, you know you had people living in the houses when they were when they were being renovated. So I think the decision. Um, uh, short few years ago to knock and build was probably the best because people were able to know then where they were going as yeah. soon as the houses were ready. Uh, it's the second time I've seen those houses being built, PJ. My parents moved in there uh, over 45, 50 years ago now nearly and when we arrived in there to Harbourview Road that was a green field um, and now it's been built again. Um, you know, so it's 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 turnover of generations um, but it it is slow. There's no question about that but I think the, the place is really doing very well and there's lots of things happening um, and there'll be, you know, lots of uh, work to be done between now and the end of the summer with the road construction and services sure. going in. So to, fair play to, the, to, to, to those who are not affected by regeneration. People, you know, have had to put up with a lot. They're li- literally building on a, living on a building site for the last number of years. Um, and you know, hopefully now, like you know, well, uh, that the uh, now post pandemic and construction back to normality in some way, um, you know, we can we can expedite the, the construction of the new houses. He's hoping, and it's a fine project. And and thank you, Tony. That's uh, uh, Councillor Tony Fitzgerald, former Lord Mayor. Um, there's a thing about the new houses. Any of the new houses being built and opened by the council, um, if you've had an opportunity to see any of them. They're fabulous. They are fabulous. Like, you'd want one. They're brilliant. Um, we got a picture um, sent in to us, and uh, thank you to Mary Brereton, who sent us a picture. Um, I think we are sharing that on some of our socials, but our credit goes to Mary Brereton for that, and thank you. Uh, Sunday's well is blocked both ways to first responder activity at the moment, we don't know anything, anything more about that. Thomas Gould was on the phone to say that the Sunday's Well Road area blocked in both directions. First responder activity. Should we have any more on that, we'll certainly bring it to you. All right. Marquee is in full flight. Frames, brilliant at the weekend. Bingo loco. Loco. Poco at the weekend. There's pictures from what happened being the maddest thing that's ever they brought into the marquee was a bingo loco. Did someone win a tickets to Las Vegas? They did. Did somebody win a cutout cardboard pit, cardboard cutout of Mickey Joe Hart? I mean, help. But Rod Stewart is there uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday 20th 
and Wednesday 21st of June we have tickets to give you to go on the Tuesday Tuesday 20th I'm going myself if you want to go see Rod Stewart live at the marquee Tuesday 20th here's how you do it it's really easy every day this week I have a pair of tickets just text me the word Rod and your details to 083 396 96 96 and we will pick someone towards the end of the show all right, you're going to Rod Stewart, Live at the Marquee, Tuesday, July 20th. Text the word ROD and your details. 083 396 And I come back to Holly and the latest story or the latest developments in that story from the this morning, which I, I don't know about you, but I kind of stopped caring about it. Um, the minute I woke up on Thursday morning and didn't have to go to work and had... Just a nice, easy weekend. But Holly was back on the couch, despite everyone speculating she wouldn't be. Holly was back on the couch yesterday morning. Um, and she had to, of course, address the heffalump in the room. It had to be addressed. And and she did. And and here's what she did yesterday morning. Um, Eamon Holmes is on his own program going, nah, 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 it's a lot, a lot of rubbish. But here's what Holly had to say yesterday morning when she came back onto the this morning couch right deep breath firstly are you okay i hope so it feels very strange indeed sitting here without phil and i imagine that you might have been feeling a lot like i have shaken troubled let down worried for the well-being of people on all sides of what's been going on and full of questions You, me, and all of us at This Morning gave our love and support to someone who was not telling the truth, who acted in a way that they themselves felt that they had to resign from ITV and step down from a career that they loved. That is a lot to process. And it's equally hard to see the toll that it's taken on their own mental health. I think what unites us all now is a desire to heal for the health and well-being of everyone. I hope that as we start this new chapter and get back to a place of warmth and magic that this show holds for all of us, we can find strength in each other. And from my heart, can I just say thank you for all of your kind messages and thank you for being here this morning. Myself, Josie, Derma, Alison, Craig and every single person that works on this show will continue to work hard every single day to bring you the show that we love. So on that note, Josie... Come here, you bring it in. Bring it thank in. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. I need a Josie Cardle. Oh, thank, oh, thank you. Thank you. That's what we can do now is be the family that we are. Exactly. That's why it all gets a bit too sweet to be sugar for me at the end of it all. Molly Goodfellow actually is a writer. She, she tweeted this. That clip was very children's TV after a big natural disaster. It was a bit like that, wasn't it? I just thought it was pathetic. I really did. You know, um, and look. She says she didn't. We're being told she didn't. She insists she didn't. But I'm struggling with every last fibre of my being to believe that what happened between Philip Schofield and that young man went on for as long as it did and she never knew. They practically lived in each other's pockets. I just struggle with it, and I think there was a, I just that smelt about as fake as a seven-year-old note when I listened back to it and watched it back. 
But hey, it is where it is and it is what it is. PJ, the weather is fantastic. Yes, the weather is fantastic. Uh, great to see smiles on faces. However, it's a timely warning. People should be careful. In general, we're not used to this weather for prolonged spells, we Irish. Drink plenty of water. Cut back on the coffee. Drink tea. Black with sugar. Uh, sunscreen? Yes, wear sunscreen if you're out in it. Uh, headgear. And enjoy. Um, I've been having a hat on my head all weekend because I don't want to get the top of the head burned. But this is from someone, my name is not signed, from someone who has not only lived and worked in warm climates but also ran in very warm weather, despite being unable to drink water at the time, ran marathons soaking barley sugar sweets. Can you still get them? Now, unfortunately, I never took part in the Cork City Marathon, despite completing 30 marathons and 75 half marathons between the ages of 35 and 50 years of age and I'm told there'll be more on that tomorrow. I look forward to it as I'm sure we all look forward to the start of the next big way to win on Cork's 96FM. It's our week in Ibiza. Here's what we're giving you. We're sending you to the world's most famous party island. Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel. Yes, it does exist. Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel. Tickets to David Guetta, Joel Curry and Ocean Beach. Dinner at Cafe Mambo for the sunset. The famous Ibiza sunset. And you'll have spending money. You're listening weekdays for the biggest hits of the White Isle. Then you're texting or WhatsApping for your chance to win. Win a week in Ibiza starts Monday, June 12th only on Cork's 96 FM. Question 10. What chess piece moves first? The pawn. So you actually got 9 out of 10. Woohoo! I'm delighted. I know. And then the one that you obviously had doubts about, uh, what chess piece moves first? The correct answer, unfortunately, is pawn. You've just won! 2,000 euros! Boom! Shaka! Why are you defibrillator now? <laughs> I know, I know. Now that I've won the two grand, everything is great. Lads, you've made my day and oh. my daughter. We're just over the moon. Congratulations. Well done. Thanks for being in Stacking up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Yeah, just looking at that weather forecast now with the benefit of... I told you last week before, the old Dark Sky app that I used to rely on so much... That's kind of been uh, incorporated now into Apple's own weather app. It is showing a bit of a shower Saturday. And Saturday, some showers on Saturday. Just having a look here at the precipitation, as they call it. And you'll be looking at showers Saturday evening sometime. And they could be heavy as well for that period of time. But then nothing on so so yes, bit of a shower Sunday. Monday looking okay. Tuesday looking very showery. So we've got it until Friday. 
and then looks like it'll break Saturday evening but who really knows what will happen with it on Saturday evening Alan at Carlo Weather has been doing his magic again and looking at his charts and saying whatever rain is likely to fall it won't be much it certainly won't please the farmers but then you can't please the farmers can you you never can please the farmers don't alright just don't I know I'm probably going to annoy the farmers but with regard to the weather you can't please them but look they have to work with it we don't 0818 96 96 96 the number of the text to whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie now I wouldn't have realised just how much commitment there was in being a retained firefighter unless you put it out in front of me in black and white now a retained firefighter is a part time firefighter they have another job they have another life they have their own life but they are a retained firefighter and they're on call uh, to go when we need them and they come to our assistance and they leave whatever they're at it could be it could be uh, their their day's work they could be at home sitting down to watch a match they could be playing with their children anything they could be doing um, and they have to jump and run and go they have to live within 2.5 kilometers of the station and when you're on call it's round the clock and you just need to and you can't leave the area if you're on call so for example if I was on call this June weekend, if I was a retained firefighter on call this particular June weekend, and my family want to go off down to Gary Vaux or Yall or Fountainstown or Myrtleville, wherever for the afternoon, enjoy the sunshine, I can't go. I have to stay at home and wait in case I might be called. That's tough. You'd expect a person to be very well paid for that, but they're not. And there's a huge shortage of them because they're not well paid. And about 2,000 retained firefighters are starting industrial action today because of a retention and recruitment crisis. There's a huge shortage of them. Their work-life balance is compromised as a result. And Will Crowley from Cork Fireman's Union, Will, it's, it, it's easy to see why you haven't got them because the pay and conditions aren't there and it's a very, very tough life. Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thanks for thanks for having me on, and thanks again for keeping keeping our issue kind of to the to the fore. I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, it's not a job I could do, to be quite honest. Jeff, when we're on shift, we're on shift. We're on duty. When we're off, we're off. Like I'm I'm on tonight, but today I'm off. I can go do stuff with my kids after school. I have a bit of freedom. Um, as a retained firefighter, you don't have that. There was a time they did have it when they had enough people so that if you were on today, <clears throat> excuse me, if you were on today, I could be off and vice versa. So you, you could plan and take your kids down to the beach in, in, in Myrtleville or whatever. But the way it's gone at the moment, they just cannot recruit people. Like you look at the, the terms and conditions they have. We faced up against the trainer recruit, uh, retained firefighters in Ballancolic. They yeah. start at eight grand a year and it's 14 grand a year to rent a place in Ballancolic. This it's so it's eight thousand. So they're not paid by the call out. What they get is they get a, a retainer, a which is paid I think once a quarter of of eight thousand euros per annum, um, and if they get calls, then that's on top of it. But you're at the you're at the 
essentially it's it's a it's a, a gamble you're taking you could be in a busy station or a quiet station you could have a busy station that is an exceptionally quiet period and you're relying then on that that retainer which is two grand a quarter basically so if i was to retain firefighter okay i was off at five days this weekend so i, I was at home doing stuff in the garden on Thursday and Friday, but Saturday we went off and had a very enjoyable day with friends. We had a barbecue and got together. Sunday we went to the beach. Yesterday we stayed at home, but I wouldn't have been able to do either of Saturday or Sunday's activities if I was retained for the weekend. Absolutely, and while you were at your barbecue, if there was any kind of refreshment on offer, you wouldn't have been touching it yeah. because you need to be able to you need to be able to go now and drive to the station. And if you're the driver scheduled that day, you need to be able to drive the truck to a call. So that's it. That's an absolute no no. So like we had, we had the guys who were out in Ballincollig who were retained and became full-time firefighters with us. Some of them hadn't left Ballincollig in two years. And that, that's because there's not enough of them there for a roster. Exactly, because they advertise. I think if you open Friday's Examiner this week, there'll probably be an ad somewhere for Cork County Fire Service, either in Carrigaline or Middleton or Mallow or Kinsale or Bandon. They're literally a constant rolling recruitment for, for the stations because the average lifespan of a retained firefighter is 18 months. They get into it, they do their training, they give it a few months and then they kind of go, no, this isn't for me. I have commitments outside. I can't explain to my partner and my kids why we can't go to the beach anymore. Who's going to take that up? The possibility that you are on call 24-7 because there aren't enough of you. And June weekend, August weekend, Christmas Day... Patrick's Day, your birthday, your wedding anniversary, uh, your children's school play, you're gone. Absolutely, absolutely. And like, it was a model that worked, like it's 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 a model from the, the 1940s and 1950s and it was a model that worked then because if you take, we'll say, take Carrigaline in the 50s and 60s, it was a small village, it was it wouldn't have been considered on the outskirts of the city. It would have been considered a county village, we'll say. Yeah. They would have had their own butcher, baker. Um, a, there would have been a garage there. There would have been people working who lived and worked in Carrigaline and very rarely left. And there would have been a more relaxed environment, we'll say, for from an employment point of view. So if you were working in the garage or in a, the pottery that used to be done in, in Carrigaline and you were a retained firefighter and a call came in, the, the alarm, the klaxon used to go off down the station. And I remember if you that. Go I remember that few, happening when yeah. I was living in Carrigaline, yeah. Exactly, uh, and and that was how before pagers. That's how they were turned out. And you'd run down to the station or cycle down, and you'd go and do the call, and it was grand and relaxed. People aren't willing to do that anymore. Like if you, you you're an employee, if you turned around now and your pager went off and you said, "Sorry, guys, I have to go," and you walked out of the studio and you could be gone for two hours, ten hours, two days. Who knows? No one's going to no employer would just say, me. "No one's going to hurt me from that." Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. And in certain areas, like I know in Dungarvan, there's a big pharmaceutical plant, and they, as part of their, would say, corporate and social responsibilities, they employ people and if they're retained firefighters that suits the company because they brand themselves on it but there's no multinational company within two and a half kilometres of Ballincollig Fire Station Yes yeah, yeah, yeah. No it's, it's it's it sounds like it's impossible to try to recruit anybody on those terms and conditions like you said I forgot the one about 
missing out on family days, missing out on events, but having to turn around to your boss in the middle of a busy afternoon, whether you're in a shop or an office or whatever you're doing, say, boss, I have to go, fire. And no, exactly. no, no time for discussion, like, I'm gone. Jane, you wouldn't last long. Yeah, there's, no, you wouldn't. There's very few employers who put up with that. It might be a novelty for a short while, but um, I know that there are employers in, in we'll say, on the main street in Ballancolic who in the past had retained firefighters working for them and have said, not a hope would I ever do it again. That they've had situations, we say, in, in retail specifically, where they'd be in the middle of serving a, a customer and they're gone. You can't you can't run a business like that. No, 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 no. You you absolutely can't. So, industrial action coming now. What people will be afraid of will is they hear industrial action and they think, oh heck, my my house goes on fire or there's a spark out of my barbecue and I'm in trouble. Will there be a fire engine for me? Well, that's the thing. Like at the moment, from today, their industrial action is essentially following the same lines as the industrial action we're taking in Cork City Fire Brigade. It's mainly around administrative work, training, that kind of thing. But from the 13th, and here's where the chickens are going to come home to roost for everybody in Cork. From the 13th, they're doing um, rolling one-day stoppages, half the station. So we'll say around Cork, you have Carrigaline, Middleton, Mallow, uh, McCroom, right? So they, they're the, we'll say the four stations around Cork City. Two of those are going to be closed. Now, since Ballancolic closed, Cork City have lost their fourth pump. So when we need a fourth pump, it comes from Middleton or Carrigaline or Mallow, depending on where the call is. So if it's a crash out in Blarney or a house fire out in Blarney, we might get a, a, the fire truck from Mallow. If that truck isn't there, we're goosed. So this day week? Yeah, starting the 13th. From this day week, we could be in serious trouble unless something is done in the intervening days. Absolutely, both in the county and in the city. Now, what needs to be done and who can do it that quickly? Well, the city council can fix it. We're going into to another round of WRC talks tomorrow. So the city council can fix the problem in the city tomorrow. Um, and it can be done and dusted. And the people in Cork City and in the outskirts of Cork City will have a full fire service with the county fire service and with uh, retained fire services up and down the country the Minister for the Environment and um, the Minister in charge of the Department of Personnel Expenditure and Reform needs to step in and, and sort this out. It sounds to me like you need an awful lot more retained firefighters. You need it to be much more attractive for them to do the job. You know how long it takes to arrange anything like that in this country, Will? Well, what was said to me maybe a year ago by... A, a guy who's involved would say in the media and he's been tracking stuff like this for the last 10, 20 years and he has said if you look at anything be it in the would say the HSE in the public sector in any organisation in this country it takes a tragedy before something happens and that's the drum we're banging for the last year with Ballancolic we don't want to have a resolution because somebody died we want a resolution because adults got around the table and realised what needed to be happen or needed to happen and put that in place. And my fear is that if this goes ahead, 
nationally with the retained, and if what's happening in Cork City carries on much longer, there will be a tragedy. And we're the ones who will carry the, the guilt for that. Yeah. Yeah. Only driving in Ballincollig there recently, I passed the fire station and I looked at it and I thought, there's this great big shiny fire station with the best of people attached to it. And if it is a thing that I have a fire out in my house or someone out in Ballincollig has a fire in their house, the fire truck will go straight past that station and it's empty. Yeah. Like if, if last night, while the fire brigade were dealing with the fires yes, above in yes. Nocknahini, if anything had happened out in Ballincollig, there was nobody there for you. Okay, let's let's put that now into very stark terms that people will pick up on. This is a kind of a, oh, Jesus, Mary, moment here, right? So you're saying to me, last night, the Cork firefighters did what they did best. They went up and they sorted out that situation in Knocknaheeny. There was four engines and something like 20-odd personnel up there. If something serious had happened out in Ballincollig while they were fighting those fires, there was no service. Absolutely. We had no resilience, so we have nothing to fall back on. And not just Ballincollig. If something had happened in Douglas or in Rochestone or in Glanmire or anywhere else in Cork City, the new bigger Cork City, there was nothing available. If what had happened last week or the week before last with the French plane coming in, if something had happened above in Cork Airport, wow, there was nothing. Wow. That puts it into stark black and white language. Will, thank you very much. Will Crowley, the Cork Firemen's Union. So short-staffed and tight-staffed is our fire, fire, our fire service in this city and county at the moment that the fantastic work at Nocknaheeny last night where those fires we talked to Councillor Tony Fitzgerald about them earlier on you can see the picture on our social media that wonderful job that was done in bringing that fire under control last night if anything else serious had happened across the city out to Ballincollig down to Douglas blown Carrigaline we might not have had an engine or a crew to go there that's Pretty scary, isn't it, in 2023? My dad was in the fire brigade. He also brought us up to keep within our means. From that era, I could list out all the voluntary services they took part in, both for the government, for the church, for sport and secular organisations. I think it was a better generation that did, did what they had to do and made sure nothing was left undone. A good point, but I'm wondering what it means. Oh, do you mean that the retained... Okay, thank you. It, it's a point. I'll read it again in case I missed the point of it. My dad was in the fire brigade. He also brought us up to keep within our means. From that era, I could list out all the voluntary services they took part in, both for the government, for the church, for sports and secular organisations. I think it was a better generation that did, that did what they had to do and made sure nothing was left undone. We're thinking. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. We haven't had any updates in the last while from Sunday as well, where the road was being closed there due to an accident. It's a car crash. We don't know anything more about it, but the area we think still 
uh, closed off as the emergency services do their work. Thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Harry Styles is at Slane. Later this month, we have a pair of tickets to give away. We're looking for Harry Styles' number one fan. Everyone says they're the number one fan, but they need to prove it to us. You can find out how to do that by going to our Instagram page, the Corks 96 of M Instagram page right now. Prove yourself to be Harry Styles' number one fan and you will be our guests at Slane later this month. 0818 96 96 96. Here's a bizarre story of a man called John Joseph Alfred Richards. A man who abandoned his family not once, but twice. The second time 49 years ago in 1974 and he was never seen after that he had originally left for 20 years and then came back and was welcomed back into the bosom of his family and went about his daily work no one ever knew what he'd been doing in the UK working we assumed but he then left again in 1974 or so a documentary is being made in, involving the family but uh, Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent is across the story it's bizarre to disappear Ralph not just once but twice good morning good morning PJ it is and you know I suppose that the human element of the story is that um, John Richard's son John Jr and his wife Nell and they're lovely people I mean really I mean, salt of the earth, you won't come across nicer people. And um, really, you know, John Jr. has lived since 1974, um, wondering what actually happened to his father. And it wasn't just that he abandoned the family in 1974 for the second time, but all ties were cut. There was never again any contact uh, with Sheila, his wife, or his um, children in Fermoy. And there was no contact when his wife died and no contact over the years. And I suppose what was remarkable was I did the story back in um, in February. And so often with these things, as you know yourself, you'll do a story and, you know, there's a bit of interest in it, but it, it doesn't go anywhere. It just doesn't get the kind of the break or the twist that you'd hope for. But what happened in this particular case was I had done the story and RT Radio 1 were interested in it. So they decided to to throw a bit of investment at it and they hired a genealogist. And the genealogist, sure enough, believes that they have traced the family in England. Now, it was John Jr. always believed that his father had a second family, that what had happened was he had uh, married, he'd left, he had been in the army, mm. he had left the army in 1948 after marrying uh, John Jr.'s mother, um, Sheila, and he went to the UK to work in 1952, as happened with many, many families across Cork uh, back in the 50s, which is a pretty tough time. The difference with uh, John Sr. was he went to the UK in 1952 and never came back, and contact with the family gradually ceased. Yeah, he, d- he never sent money or anything back, did he, no? Well, he did for a while, but we're, uh, it, it, certainly the indications are that that stopped as well after a period of time. And I suppose the really poignant element of this story is the fact that Sheila was a truly remarkable woman. I mean, really, John Jr. has sang the praises of his mother, and it's easy to understand why, because this woman, in a very, very tough time um, economically in Ireland, she raised a fine family. She worked two, sometimes three jobs 
uh, to make ends meet, to have food on the table, um, with 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 in the end no support and, and and no information about what was happening with her husband in the UK, and it was twenty years. It was basically from nineteen fifty two to nineteen seventy three that lo and behold a letter arrived from the UK that John Senior wanted. To know would it be okay if he came back to the family home? Now, and I, I the, note that that was around the time that his son Ralph John Junior was getting married to his wife Nell. Correct. And now, is there any way do we know? Did his father know about that, or was it purely coincidental that he wrote to them at the time? Yeah. No. Again, that's another very interesting point, PJ. In that the family believe that there was someone in Formoy, maybe an old buddy or whatever like that of, of John Senior who was keeping him in the loop about what was happening with the family in Ireland, which in hindsight was particularly cruel because the family didn't know what was happening to him, but someone locally was clearly keeping John Sr. in the UK abreast of developments with his Irish family, though they knew nothing about him. But he obviously must have known because this letter arrived in 73. Um, John Jr. was getting married to Nell, um, his wife, and... The father asked, could he come home? The family said, the sons kind of had a chat about it and said, look, we're, we're adults, we're leaving home, we're setting up our own families. And they thought that their mother would be happy to have the husband home. And true enough, when he came home, uh, John Jr. Has, has said to me back in February, like his mother, she just, she was smiling, she seemed happier. There seemed a, a burden of worry off her shoulders. The family unit seemed to be kind of coalescing again, and it seemed as if everything was going to be okay. And he was home for about a year. Now, he was a very talented tradesman. Mm -hmm. He had no shortage of work. But John said he had a job in the city at the time, and he was on a bus coming down through from town in 1974. I think it was around December, he said. And he looked, and he saw his father walking up the town in Formoy with a suitcase on his shoulder. And that was the last he ever saw him. The father just went back to the UK and vanished. Now, what we also know is that uh, John's brother had, a letter had arrived for the father from the UK and um, John's brother had surreptitiously opened the letter and it was from a woman in the UK. There was no return address on the letter, but it was from a woman in the UK warning John Senior that if he didn't come back to the UK, this lady was going to send his daughter to Ireland to her father so it was clear there was a second family in the UK oh. but the letter was sealed up and within a couple of weeks the father had vanished and from 1974 onwards nothing was ever heard of the father all major family events even the death of Sheila um, from cancer many years later there was no contact from the UK and you know so it, did the you, clearly the buddy if there was one in from I either broke off yes. contact or died Possibly, but I, I think that unfortunately the belief is that he still must have been in the loop in terms of developments with the family in Formoy. That's possible, but my own personal belief is that I think there was a flow of information up until relatively recent years. Um, but the, the remarkable thing is that this genealogist hired by, by the, the documentary team in, in RT Radio 1, they believe that they've found the second family. Now, no formal approach has been made as yet. Um, because they're taking things very carefully. But certainly all the documentation, birth certs, death certificates, whatever like that, they believe they have identified the family. And it transpires that John Sr. died in 2009. 
So he lived until he was 87. He was born in 1922 and he lived up until relatively recently and yet made no attempt to contact his family, his sons, grandchildren or anything like that. 1974, 2009. That's nearly 35 years. Yes, correct. With no contact whatsoever. No, it certainly what we do believe at the moment. Again, the, the documentary team, the genealogists are being very careful because that ultimately what they've said is that DNA evidence, DNA testing is the only thing that can absolutely confirm um, the, the relationships. But certainly all of the, the birth records, the death records, the timing, everything certainly they're all the ducks in a row wow. in terms of that. But there are a num- John is believed to have a number of half siblings in the UK, and you know again. And how does he feel? Sorry, I know you're in contact with him, Ralph. How does he feel about the prospect that there are siblings there? That well, there was almost certainly one, if you're to believe the, the yeah. letter, but that there may be others. How does he feel about his father now and about these siblings he may have in the UK? Yeah, well, when I spoke to him we, when we did the original interview back in February. Um, he made the point that he could forgive his father for abandoning his family the first time. He could never forgive him for abandoning the family the second time. But that has no bearing on his half-siblings in the UK. And I very much got the impression from John and from Nella's wife that really they wanted two things. They wanted to know what had happened to John Sr., what was his fate, what eventually happened with his life. And the second thing was... To, to have some type of offer of connection with the half-siblings, because ultimately they are half-brothers, half-sisters, whatever. And I think the family here in Ireland are very open to meeting them, to having a chat, to swapping shared stories or things like that. So hopefully that is what will happen and that we'll get a better picture and maybe a few of the missing pieces of the jigsaw will be filled in. It's it's a fascinating story, Ralph, and I, I, I sense there are more chapters in it. <laughs> are you already writing a book, you devil? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're watching this space, DJ. <laughs> Ralph Regal, thank you very much, Ralph, of the Irish Independent and author of many books. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was working on another one. That's a fascinating story. We'll have to watch that documentary, see when it comes out, and hopefully someday uh, we will get a chance to talk with John Richards about this. That is the most incredible story. 0818969696 has an overturned vehicle in uh, Sunday as well, says Emma. Thank you, Emma. Appreciate that. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. I remember clearly one of the saddest stories we covered here on the Opinion Line. For many a long day, it was the tragic death in 2021 of Father Con Cronin. Just a lovely, lovely gentle, decent, kind, smiling man who died in a terrible accident uh, in August of 2021. And the the town of Passage where he served his flock and was much loved, not just there but in the surrounding area, I don't think they've got over it yet. I don't think they ever will get over what happened on that fateful day. But they've come up with a wonderful idea to commemorate his anniversary, which is coming up on around the 7th of August. I'm joined by Mary Foley. Mary, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. And I think the place is still reeling from the loss of this beautiful man. 
It is. I don't think we'll ever be the same. But at the same time, he has left an indelible mark with us in that he's left his love and his kindness and his, you know, his generosity. And that whole ethos has gone kind of gone through the community and it's still living very strong. So I don't think he'll ever be forgotten, you know. Tell me about the CD that's been made. Sure. Uh, so Passage West Children's Choir have come together and they've put together a tribute CD. Now, it's a charity CD, so all the proceeds from it are going to the Diocese of Minna in Nigeria, where Father Khan served for many, many years. And the Kiltegan Fathers are looking after that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, it's going to education because Father Khan himself had to drop out of education to look after his uh, mother who was ill at the time. So he was very pro-education. So we've purposely chosen the local school in the diocese to be the benefactor. And it'll be for school books and uniforms and pencil cases and bags and what have you. So it's a, a seven-track CD and um, it's the children's remembering of Father Khan and the impact that he had in their lives. And there are some absolutely beautiful tracks on it, you know, absolutely gorgeous memories. So we launched it there last Wednesday evening. It was a very, very emotional evening. Mm. And we sent the very first copy up to heaven because that's where it deserved to be um, for him to have a listen to. So it was lovely, absolutely lovely. That had there attached to a balloon. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I know. Really. Yeah. And the kids, like, they're very young, but they would all remember him because he had, children were drawn to him, to his smile, to his yes. music. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, the last track on the CD is uh, Let It Be, which is um, a beautiful song in itself, but there's a long kind of instrumental in the middle of that song. So the children, there's actually an overlay of the children remembering him on that track, you know, and the one thing, the very last line, the very last sentence that the child says, because uh, you know, they've all got different memories of him. Uh, I remember Father Khan had a lovely laugh and a lovely smile. And that really is the memory of him that we want to, to keep. Not how he died tragically, but, you know, his lovely laugh, his lovely smile, his kindness, his generosity. And, you know, like he, his love for literally all people. It didn't matter what income bracket you were in. It didn't matter what you were doing with your life. He still loved you. I remember you know, at, the time, at the time of his tragic passing, talking to people about mm. that, you know, and it didn't matter if you were a confirmed atheist. He still loved you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he'd still have a chat with you and he'd still have time for you, you know, and it didn't matter what you were doing with your life, even if you were flushing it away, you know, what? he still, and his generosity was something else. What are your own memories of him, Mary? You were clearly good friends. Yeah, but I, do you know what? I, I always say this because we all felt he was special to us. Every single person in Pastor West felt that he was special to them because he made us all feel special, you know. So I was only one of many thousands of friends that he had. But uh, I do remember he had a, a bit of a passion for the white magnums. <laughs> and of course, he'd been warned about his weight and, you know, staying off ice cream and stuff like that. And I remember during COVID sneaking sneaking boxes of white magnums into the house so it wouldn't be spotted um but uh, and of course his big joke was uh, come here i have some holy water for you you know and he might have a bottle of white wine in the boot of the car to give you you know <laughs> so a lovely lovely person yeah. truly Co- a wonderful person covid was hard on him because of his age i remember talking to him during covid we spoke we spoke about cocooning 
and all of that and, mm. and, and how tough it was on him. And we had a lovely chat about it. But yeah. He was putting little videos on Facebook and all of that. That's right, actually. Dahi Kelly, great credit to him, used to go around with Father Khan and they'd record little videos of different people and then we'd post it up onto the uh, the Harbour Parish's Facebook page. And we've, we're still looking at those and Dahi is kind of reposting them now. There was a time we couldn't look at them from sadness, but now I suppose looking back on them, it's, it's a great treasure to have, yeah. to have those interviews. And, and one particular one sticks out is, is when somebody actually interviewed him, which yeah. was... Fascinating, you know, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Also, you have uh, an event also, I think, in the August bank holiday August, weekend. God willing, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it's still very much in the planning stage, but his anniversary, as you said, is August, the bank holiday weekend. And we thought that you know, okay, the last time we came together was in absolute sadness, but he wouldn't have wanted that. He'd want us to be celebrating his life. And I thought that an inaugural memorial concert might be nice, inviting all the different, and there are many, many musical groups in Passage West, Monkstown, Ringeskiddy and Shanbella. And if we invite all those along, so it would be a kind of a, a celebration of music, dance, which he loved, and the spoken word. So it will be a free event. People will be invited to it. And, you know, open, open doors, off you go, come on ahead. And there's a wonderful new facility down in uh, Ring, Ringeskiddy. They re- redeveloped the community centre down there, has yeah. a fabulous stage and everything. So uh, we'll be hosting it down there. So it'll be lovely. Looking forward to it. Excellent. All right. Well, good luck with Looking the with the CD and with the... Uh, Many thanks. ...planned celebration of... of, of well, in, in all the shops there. In Passage West, the CDs are available through all the shops if anybody's looking for one. Excellent. All right. And thank you very much uh, for that, um, Mary Foley, friend of the late, the wonderful... Uh, Father Khan Cronin, who was on this programme a number of times during COVID when he was cocooning and he was he was full of fun, full of life, full of joy. A lovely man. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Uh where are we from? Oh yeah, Mary um, Anne Murphy rather. Anne Murphy, you want people to think about who they're getting alternative therapy from. Good morning. Good morning. You sent us an email, you sent us a message. What, what's, you yourself have got qualifications and yes, certificates please. and all that, but you're saying be careful of who you go to for treatment. Yes, because um, recently there I came across um, an article on social media, um, a person doing a course for a week, a one-week course, mm-hmm. and um, it was in Hotstone, and... Um, after that they had up that they were adding it on to their treatments and I was shocked when I saw it mm. because to offer a professional qualification meaning that's where you'll be taking money from the public and you're giving treatments you have to have a diploma mm-hmm. and not a one week course That's I don't know how they can even do it and when I was doing my training, like you'd start in October and you'd um, finish in May and you'd be, I'd done my uh, courses in the College of Commerce, two lots of them. You did massage um, and you did reflexology, yeah? And Indian head massage. And um, I did that in Skull Stefan Nefa and I'd done my reflexology in the College of Commerce. And um, I don't holistic massage in Bandon. But the thing is, 
you'd have to go up every week and you'd have to put in your time. You'd have to put in, very important, your practice and family or friends while you were doing it. And you had a mock exam and then you had a real exam. And, like, I was actually shocked when I saw a person uh, putting it up on their um, web page on social media or advertising it on their Facebook page and um, that they were offering treatment and it was a certificate of attendance to head up. And if you look even at the wording, it was a certificate of attendance. Mm. And I was concerned about the public. And so really the all, they, all, all they'd done is they'd attended, in your view anyway, they'd attended a series of demonstrations and, and, and now they were going out purporting to be a practitioner. Yeah, well, they were going out offering the massage to the public and taking money, yes. You could put it that way, yeah. And, like, to do it, you can do it with your family and friends, by all means. No problem there. If you're not qualified, you can practice away until kingdom come, as they say. But if you're dealing with the public, uh, you have to have insurance. You have to have uh, your diploma. That's the piece of paper you need to have your qualification on. It's your diploma. And there is a big loophole in all this uh, complimentary. It needs to be tightened up a bit because um, there should be a database in my view and it would be quite simple to do it when you would qualify your name then would go into the database and they'd know who's qualified and who's not. It would be quite easy to do it. Now there is a body uh, regulatory body, I think is a regulatory entity, called CORU, C-O-R-U. Now, do, do any of your qualifications come under that? No, I'm with ITEC, um, and uh, I'm, I have my insurance, then with Valens. I see. Um, uh, with my ITEC number, now, I was, when I qualified, I was given a number. I see. And... If I went to Australia or somewhere, they were able to key in the number and they knew they oh, that I was qualified. Oh, I see. I see. I see. No, because Koru, Koru covers a lot of different qualifications. Like Koru now covers chiropractors and chiropodists and, and social workers and many, many, many counsellors, yeah. many, many other quali- yeah. practitioners. But like most people are perfect and they're okay and they're A1. It's just you get the odd person, and when I stumbled across this, it was the odd person. And the colleges are wrong as well. Uh, giving out them courses, they should say, like, up in the sort, this is not for professional use. Um, and it, does, it doesn't say that, no? No, it no. just... Certificate, so just a, uh, a certificate uh, of attendance. That's right. And there's a big difference uh, with a certificate of attendance and a diploma. Sure is. Sure um, is. There's a big difference of doing a thing for a couple of months. So like as I said to you earlier, you start in September, the end of September, October, and you're there until May. Yeah. And you have, I had about 50 case studies in each of them. And the person that you were practicing on then had to sign a form as well that you actually physically did go and practice on them. Mm-hmm. And um, it is very thorough. And... Um, a person then that would do a thing for a week. I don't even know how they do it for a week. And um, they're taking treatments from the public. Uh, it's scandalous in my view. Mm. 
Did you challenge I, any of the people that you saw on social media? No, I didn't. Um, I I said it's all right. I did say to the person uh, where was the diploma because I thought that they had the wrong certificate up and I was blocked. They blocked me. Oh, I see. So you hmm. began to ask questions, but you found yourself it. blocked. I see. Well, that that sounds to me like all the answers you needed, Anne. Thank you very much. Be careful from whom you seek complementary or alternative medicines. Thank you, Anne Murphy. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, I'm a monthly um, user of the wonderful service that is chiropractic, and I have a fantastic practitioner who has qualifications up the wazoo. But there are there are charlatans in that line of work too. They're everywhere. Thank you. And 0818 96 96 96. Quick reminder to you again, I have a pair of tickets for you every day this week to go and see Rod Stewart live at the Marquee, Tuesday the 20th of June. It's two weeks tonight, actually two weeks tonight. Rod Stewart live at the Marquee. All you need to do to be among the audience on the night. Text the word Rod and your details, please. 083 396 The word Rod and your details. 083 396 And we will be delighted to send someone to Rod Stewart Live at the Marquee Tuesday, June 20th. And Lorna was on. And Lorna got back to say thank you to 96FM. I won tickets to see the frames on Friday night. They were amazing. Thank you. All so much had the best night. Lorna, you're more than welcome. What country do Rolex watches come from? Is she on 9 out of 10 yet? 9 out of 10 right now. Oh my God. Oh no. I'm wrong, aren't I? I'm wrong in thinking that we had that conversation about Rolex. They have their headquarters in Geneva in Switzerland. Yeah. Oh. But they were founded in the UK. You've just won two thousand. <laughs> I can't believe it. Congratulations, you aced it. 10 out of 10. A couple of guesses along the way, but you are the latest winner of 2,000 euro, and we are absolutely buzzing for you. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stacking up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. Something else that went on over the weekend that may have slipped your attention. It certainly slipped mine in that I don't put myself through the sheer agony of sitting down watching these things from beginning to end. I tend to catch up on the videos like I think most of the world does now stuff like Britain's Got Talent um, and I was following the fortunes of that brilliantly gifted young magician is it Killian is his name from up the country extraordinary I mean 14 years of age extraordinarily good and he got right through to the final and I think he was third in the final was it third he was and again a fantastic routine I saw his final routine how on earth was that brilliant young fella beaten by some idiot in a high-vis jacket who claims to be a comedian of some kind Vigo 
Sorry now, but whoever came up with that? And remember that this winner goes on the Royal Variety performance. Can, can you think of a better winner to have put into a... Anyway, look, that's why I kind of don't watch these things anymore. Can I kind of go, how on earth? But that guy, that young lad, Killian, has a fantastic future in... In magic, I know from I have an interest in in the workings of the magic circle and the people who are members of the magic circle. You'd be amazed how many well-known people are members of the magic circle. Uh, I'm very fond of one particular podcaster who's a member of the inner magic circle, and they are watching the Schumfler because he is so so good. He's got a big future, but the other. Egypt in the high-vis jacket. Sorry. I don't know who decided to vote for him as a winner. 0818 96 96 96. You may disagree with me. You'd be allowed. That's okay too. <laughs> and 0833 96 96 96. The text or the WhatsApp. Uh, Martin Sheridan is from Middleton. And I'm fascinated, Martin, not just about the opening of a restaurant in Seville, of which we will speak, but this gift you seem to have picked up many years ago for languages. Uh, German, Russian, Finnish, but you struggled with the Spanish in the end. Good morning, or buenos dias, as I should say. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm very good. I was reading your story in the Echo. You've certainly been around yeah, I think once that uh, bit of wanderlust gets into you, uh, you're going to be, uh, it'll take an awful lot to get you to settle down. I was amused, very amused at the name of your restaurant, my mother-in-law's kitchen. Which started out as a total joke, to be honest with you. Uh, my very first visit to um, to Seville um, obviously meeting the girlfriend's parents and uh, Ali's mother brought out plate after plate after plate of fabulous food uh, local to the town here. And uh, as a joke, with no intention whatsoever, I said, oh, God, you know what? We'll start a restaurant, you and me, and uh, you know what I'll call it? My mother-in-law's kitchen. <laughs> and sure, sure enough, six years later, there we were uh, preparing a restaurant to open, which was called exactly that. Fantastic. Now, the travelling started in 1994 in Germany, and it was there you picked up the languages. You discovered, I learned languages really quickly. Yeah, and which is funny because uh, God knows if uh, any of my secondary school teachers are listening in, they'll say he, he wasn't at that crack when he was in school. Uh, but I think it was probably more necessity than anything else um, with working. And, um, you know, you wouldn't think that inside an Irish pubs that there'd be uh, a massive call for being proficient in, in the local language. But... Uh, I suppose it set me apart and I just found it very, very easy, uh, I suppose, listening to customers and picking it up that way. Of course, know? it's an immersion thing too, in it, isn't it? You're, you're there and you're going to learn it despite yourself, so you might as well open yourself to the possibility. I think the thing that probably as well helped an awful lot is that if you're any way musical at all, um, that's going to help you uh, with it, uh, mm. certainly in terms of um, intonation and you know picking up words and, and the like of that. So, yeah. uh, and 
Yeah, and you picked up Russian and you picked up Finnish in the same way. But is the the Seville exactly. the Seville will focus on because of the flight, the Cork flight starting this week, and it's been greeted with much excitement because it's a fabulous part of Spain and and a very a, a place that's set to become extraordinarily popular. How did you end up there? Well, um, Ali, my wife, um, she came over to Ireland in 2002 uh, looking to improve her English. She just finished a university degree uh, in English, uh, but wanted to become more proficient uh, as close to a native speaker as she could and was looking for a job. I was working for a Compass Group, the catering company in Dublin at the time. Uh, Ali interviewed for a job. And um, she started out working together with me at the uh, the IBM campus um, in Blatcherstown. Yeah. And uh, we lost touch after that. Um, and um, Facebook obviously came along later on down the line. I got a friend request one day and, you know, happy birthday once a year or what have you. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that was really all. Um, up until um, I had been married, uh, subsequently separated and divorced. Uh, and I suppose uh, any of your listeners that have gone through that, it can get a bit uh, depressing and rough at times. And uh, it was just suggested to me, uh, "Come on, we'll go away uh, for a long weekend, myself and my mates, mm-hmm. and um, pick somewhere." And I found cheap flights to Marbella or mm-hmm. to Malaga, as it was. And uh, as you do, posted a selfie and something stupid inside on Facebook. Uh, and literally five minutes later, I got a message from Ali saying, what are you doing here? And uh, she, she was actually working in Marbella. Frenchy. And um, said, uh, right, whole fire, there we are. Uh, and I'll be over. Five minutes later, she was there. And literally, we haven't gone a day in our lives, not together since. My goodness me. Well, if, if, ever, if ever something was meant to be, Martin... Absolutely. And then she... So no, very fortunate. She's from a place outside Seville, yeah? I suppose about the same distance as Middleton would be from Cork. Uh, it's a little town called Olivares. Um, quite old in, in, in that it was founded in about the, the 15th century by uh, an advisor to the King of Spain. Um, and he's celebrated then uh, every year here. They've got a Baroque festival and they celebrate this uh, Count Duke of Olivares. So um, agricultural, really. Uh, olives, uh, a lot of garden produce, uh, or market garden produce here. So tomatoes, aubergines, uh, fabulous fresh fruit. But olives would be obviously the big um, yeah. crop here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very fond of an olive and some of the best ones ever come from there. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's a it's a massive big market down here, uh, and I suppose we've got a bit of everything around here. There's a bit of wine growing country as our around here as well, um, and uh, Ali's family uh, have got a, a cattle farm here. Um, so um, and they've been at that since her granddad started after he got married, with as 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 he used to say, um, two cows and a donkey. <laughs> and started from there, and, and they're at something like about two and a half thousand head of cattle now. So you have the restaurant between you, and you not only do you work in the restaurant cooking and all the other things, but you also play music there a couple of nights a week, so you're kept, you're kept going. 
Yeah, the, the, the funniest thing, and, and I suppose with me not having the language, uh, I always assumed I'd get a cushy back, back a house number and I wouldn't have to be customer facing. Uh, but that idea got knocked on the head very quick. Uh, no, no, you're front of the house and that's yeah. your job. And you picked up the language um, too, didn't you? Yeah, and again, needs must inside these things. I found Spanish now, to be fair, much more difficult than any of the other languages that I had to pick up when I was working in the different countries. But um, I suppose, look, after after seven years li- living here, I suppose I could I could call myself fairly fluent. Yeah. You know? <laughs> fairly fluent. Now, for people who might be thinking about taking these wonderful new flights to Seville, what is there to be found other than your wonderful restaurant? Fabulous uh, old city. Um, I suppose the Summer Palace, the Alhambra. Um, You've got huge big walled gardens. Uh, Seville Cathedral, obviously. Uh, A massive draw where Christopher Christopher Columbus is interred. Um, And just a fabulous city. Uh, Great for music. Uh, Flamenco is obviously huge here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But overall and everything else, just the food is out of this world. Um, And I suppose in the last couple of years in Ireland, there's been a a proliferation of tapas and and that. But when you compete, as good as the Irish offering might be, you couldn't compare it to to what's available here. Mm -hmm. Um, I suppose inside in our own place, for example, 95% of what I buy uh, including obviously the meat uh, comes from within five kilometres of my front door. Five kilometres, uh, and, and, and it just like that just can't be done anywhere else. You're in, I suppose, the garden of Europe, if you will. Uh, like the fruit and vegetables that they have here, the abundance of it and the quality of it is just yeah. incredible. Because you have the climate to grow them in. Well, that's it. I mean, you're talking about. I'd say I'm under-egging it here, but probably about 320 days of sun a year. We're not jealous at all, Martin. That's an improvement not, in Middleton. Not like. the chance of it. Well, well, we'll hold fire with the jealousy anyway, because um, in the summer, it can get up to 45, and it's been known to hit 50 at times. That's hot. So, um, it's it's warm. You wouldn't uh, want to be slaving over a hot barbecue in the middle of that, like... Uh, well, do you know what? That's why God created beer, isn't that it? There's a thing you mentioned, Alhambra. Uh, there is a wonderful Spanish beer called Alhambra. Would I get it in your Correct. in your part of the world? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, fully available. Uh, the local brew here is um, Cruz Campo. Oh, I is, love it! Uh, I love Cruz Campo. Made by Heineken. It is, yeah, uh, but, absolutely. Yeah, but Alhambra is a the, smashing uh, beer as well. No, it's it's it, it, it's very nice. A little bit more malty, I suppose. Your your Cruz Campo is um, a fairly standard pills yeah. uh, pilsner lager, but uh, the Alhambra's got a bit of a kick to it as well. I suppose the the beers over here as well uh, would be. I don't necessarily think that mm, normal commercial beer in Ireland is five point eight. No, God, no, uh, it's I'll, not. I'll, I'll oh my God, it's not. No, no, you want to know, you want to you want to watch yourself there. And the the wines of the region. Uh, what would Absolute, you have? Again, a huge mixture because you've got uh, Seville province and then next door, uh, still in Andalusia, you've got Huelva province. And not alone, and, and every class of wine really, uh, even down to sparkling, um, is available. Uh, there's a, literally, I suppose, a, a town over from where I'm standing right now. Uh, they've got a vineyard and they make fabulous wines, bermuts, um, cava. 
so like literally you can find everything here mm. and uh, I, I suppose the other difference then uh, in terms of uh, of availability is with um the ports of uh, Welva and the port of Isla Cristina mm-hmm. which w- would be two of the most important fishing ports in Spain are an hour from our front door here so again the quality of produce is just fantastic and I think uh, for people traveling over Obviously, the, the bitter culture, the flamenco, um, the churches, uh, the historical properties that people can see, but above all, the food. I think people people will come, have the food, and come back for it again. In the summertime, when it gets as hot as it does, a fellow might want to swim as well. I mean, there are pools, I take it. How close is the sea, Plenty. though? From my front door, uh, I'd be sitting down on the beach in an hour and a water. So, like, it's it's not far. Um, and uh, there's plenty of public pools available. Um, a couple of there, there's two water parks in Seville itself. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, you know, but it, I suppose siesta. Uh, a lot of people laugh at people going for a kip in the middle of the, of the day, but um, you can imagine if it's forty-five degrees, you're oh, yeah. you're not out dig- digging in oh, the field. No. You get in out, get in and out of then, it and rest yourself. Exactly. And, uh, and and I suppose bearing that in mind, that's why the Spanish people would tend to eat an awful lot later. Um, in the summertime, when we have a bit of tourist trade, uh, you'd be talking about people landing at half nine to eat. Mm. But it wouldn't be unusual for a Spanish person uh, to walk in the door at 12, look at the start. So, Twins. you know, it's it's a very different culture from what we have. Jenny, I have seen them arrive on holidays. I have seen them arrive maybe half ten, quarter eleven. You see the locals, but twelve? Wow, wow. It, well, you know that 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 wouldn't be unusual. But to, to say well, we've had people walk into the restaurant at quarter to one, quarter may, to one, going made uh, for long it, working hours for yourself, uh, Ali. Uh, well, there's that, uh, and then obviously uh, what happens after that is they'd be. Mm, after finishing the main course ordering a dessert and they go Martin any chance of pulling out the guitar and give us a blast here <laughs> <laughs> please tell me you don't open for breakfast thank god no and, and, and funny enough because because we're in a, a small little agricultural town there's not great demand in the week uh, for uh, sit-down meals, people will go for a couple of tapas and a couple of beers. Yeah. Uh, but so our our business is primarily focused weekends. All right. Get thyself to Seville. I think is the message. The flight is there, starting. Is it this week or next? Uh, from Cork to Seville. Yeah, it's this week. All yeah, yeah. All right. Week. All right, Martin. You'd never know. I might. I might stroll in <laughs> some night soon. You'd never know. That's uh, Martin Sheridan from. Restaurante La Cocina de Mi Suegra. I'll be killed for my Spanish pronunciation, but there you go. It's my mother-in-law's kitchen restaurant in a place not far from, not far from Seville. Oliveira. 0818 96 96 96. I wonder, I'd love to hear from someone who goes there now and see what it's like. Um, I've never been to Seville. Never been. I've heard so much about it and Martin sells it really, really well. It's a good call for Ryanair, I think, to put a Seville flight in. Corks 96 FM's Week in Ibiza is coming. Listen to Win Your Way to the world's most famous party island. <laughs> party Island. 
Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel. Tickets to David Guetta, Joe Corey, and Ocean Beach. Dinner at Cafe Mambo for the famous Habitha Sunset. And spending money. Spending money. Are you ready? Summertime. Oh, yeah. Stay listening to Quirks 96 FM weekdays for the biggest hits of the White Isle. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Win, win, win. Win your way to a week in a Only on Cork's 96FM. If you were up around Bell's Field on Friday the 26th of May at around sunset time, you might have seen something unusual going on. Were you one of the two people who applauded a young couple as they got engaged up there on Bell's Field? on that beautiful evening when the sun created the perfect atmosphere. Those people were Ali Syed from New York and Maha Ifran from Toronto. They join me now from New York and Toronto, respectively. Maha, would you ever tell me, please, how did it all come about that you got engaged up there on Bell's Field in Cork? Morning. So I've been living in Cork for the last four years for school and me and my friends used to go up to Bell's Fields all the time just to take a break from studying Um, and I used to talk about it to Ali all the time. (laughs) You fell in love with the place. I did. It was just stunning and there was the whole view of Cork from the top and the sunset's really nice up there. So so yeah, that was one of my favorite places in Cork and Ali knew about it. Yeah, she she used to talk to me all the time about, you know, that spot being her favorite spot in all of court because, you know, for, it's kind of a hike. So it's kind of a physical activity to go up there. Um, so and then you get to see the whole city from the from the top. So it's a beautiful spot. And then, you know, around sunset, there's a bunch of people there, as you, you know, I witnessed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that's how it came to be. I, I love the way you describe it as a hike. You clearly have walked up Patrick's Hill then, have you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was already nervous to begin with. And by the end of, uh, you know, walking up Patrick's Hill, I was already huffing and puffing. And I'm like, this can't be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it, did you warn him about that, Maha, that it's a bit of a pull? I forgot how long or how uh, up of a hike it was. So I told him there were stairs, but I myself forgot as well. <laughs> yeah, those steps don't really help much. Take it from someone. <laughs> and the radio station, guys, is only around the corner, so we're we're very familiar. So I, I assume, Ali, that she'd sent you photographs. Yeah, um, and I also looked it up on Google Images. Right. And um, yeah, so on Google Images, it looked like, you know, obviously the perfect spot. It looked exactly how Maha described it. And um, the one thing that caught me off guard was when I looked it up on Google, I guess the images I saw was the park was deserted. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, great. We'll have like a, you know, like a private moment. It'll be cute no. and everything. And then no. when I got up there, I saw like 100 people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, if I mess this up, the whole world is going to know. And Maha, had you, had you told him at all that when the sun comes out, it's party central up there? Yeah, like I told him that at sunset time, like it's it's the most beautiful sunset at that time. But I didn't tell him how many people are there at that time. So I think he didn't have an idea. <laughs> so, by the way, what were, you, what were you studying here? 
I was doing medicine. Okay, cool. At UCC, yeah. Cool, cool. So the idea for a proposal, Ali, take up the story. Uh huh. Um. Well, uh, where do I begin? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I knew I wanted to do it at a at a special place, and I knew I wanted to do it at a place that meant a lot to her, and therefore meant a lot to me by default. You know. Yeah. Um. And then obviously, you know, when you're in New York, you have the choice of very like sort of cheesy options like the Statue of Liberty or Empire State or whatever. But I'm like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. You know, it doesn't have that that kind of sentimental, cute feel to it. So I thought I'm like, okay, you know, what spot means a lot to Maha? And because it, it is it is a lot. It depends on the setting, you know, the proposal, how it comes out. It depends a lot about when you do it, where you do it. So I figured First of all, graduation would be the perfect time to do it yeah. because, you know, what's a girl's number one priority during proposal? Her nails are done. And I knew for a fact during graduation, her nails would be done. So I'm like, perfect. That's checkbox number one. <laughs> Plus, you know, um, I knew our families would be there. So I wanted to do it at, at a point where our families would be around and then we'd be able to go celebrate with them later. Mm. And um, I just, you know, uh, I wanted to cap off her time in Cork with a, you know, with a beautiful conclusion. Fantastic. And and you did just that. But <laughs> Maha, like the graduation didn't take place in Bell's Field. So you you just said, look, you got to see my place. So that we just said to him, you got to see my lovely place. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, we'll just spend sunset there. Maybe grab some tea or ice cream or something. And we'll just sit up there and just chill. Um, but yeah, I had no idea what was coming. <laughs> and actually... I had sorry. I had to tell her family. I was like, "Listen, Ma's gonna ask all of you that. Hey, she's gonna take you up her favorite spot. All of you need to say no." And I felt so rude saying that, but I'm like, "I, I need all of you to say no because I'm proposing to her, and it's gonna." And they and they understood. They were so cool with it. They're like, "Yeah, of course, of course." So you thought, Maha, you're bringing him up Patrick's Hill to show him Bell's Field, just because you loved the place, and you had no idea what he planned at the top. Yeah, I had absolutely no idea. I was like, oh, we'll have a nice evening, go back down. <laughs> You'd got a photographer, Ali. You really prepared this. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty funny. It was uh, kind of sneaky, you know. Um, I had told him, and he, he did such a great job. I think he should get an Oscar for his acting. Because um, <laughs> he just pretended to be a, ba- a, a, a passer boy, was it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was just He just pretended to be there, just, you know, doing some landscape photography. And the idea was that I would just go up to him and be like, hey, you know, uh, my girlfriend just graduated and I was wondering if you could, you know, take a few pictures of her professionally. And then, you know, and then uh, he'd be the kind stranger that would say, yeah, of course, you know. And so that's exactly what happened. I kind of walked up to him and was like, hey, you know. And uh, so right around when he kind of showed up, just coincidentally, she was talking to me about how nobody took like a solo picture of her during graduation, which turned out to be untrue later. But she thought that all of her pictures came out to be with other people. And I'm like, this is right on cue. This is amazing. And then I was like, wait, there's a photographer right there with this professional lens and everything. Why don't we just go up to him and ask, hey, can you take a, you know, a solo picture? And she's like, no, are you crazy? He's probably busy with his own stuff. Yeah. Just, just ask people in court are so nice and they're so polite. You never know, you know, um, uh, <laughs> And this thing, yeah, so I just jumped up. 
I went up to him and then right, you know, like I said, he deserves an Oscar for his acting. He's like, yeah, sure, man. Just post it on Instagram and tag me and we're even. This is Yannick from Save the Journey. Got a great reputation around the place, has this guy. But Baha, you had absolutely no idea this was about to happen or did you suspect anything at all? Not at all. I had absolutely no idea. And when he told me, oh, the photographer will take pictures, I kept on saying, no, that's so weird. Like, we don't want to bother him. <laughs> but Ali does this sort of thing. So it wasn't unusual to me. Like, he talks to strangers all the time. So I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is very normal. So I didn't find it out of the ordinary. Right. And there he is with a ring in a box in his hand down on one knee. What was your first reaction? I was just shocked. I was just very surprised. And I think I began crying at that time. It was just like the happy tears, you know? Yeah. And then there was loads of people around. Yeah, they all just began cheering. Um, and it was just so surreal. We were looking around and it was just, just such a moment that we'll never forget, I think. It was just so special. I'm just wondering if there's anybody listening this morning who was there and saw it. I'd love to, I'd love to talk to them. Now, as I said at the start, you're back in Toronto, Maha, and you're back in New York, Ali. How often do you guys actually see one another? So we uh, we used to see each other maybe every like three, four months. Right. But now I'm moving to New York in about two weeks. So Excellent. we'll be really close to each other. Yeah. Fabulous. You're going to be practicing down there? Yes, exactly. Yeah, for the next four years. That's brilliant. And the, and the wedding? I don't think you'll have the wedding at the top of Bellsfield. Where's that planned for? <laughs> Um, we're planning on doing one event in Toronto, one in New York, and one in Pakistan because our family is there as well. So we wanna we wanna include everyone in all the places that we know. <laughs> and and you know what's funny? Half of Bellsfield invited themselves to our wedding, which I loved. I'm like, awesome! All the guys should pull up. You know. <laughs> well, you know what you should do, right? And I don't know when that when it's going to happen. Let us know, all right? When it's going to happen? Stay in contact with me and the team. And when it does. We'll arrange to get a video sent to you from Bellsfield. That's Aww. perfect. That is so cute. That's so sweet. <laughs> we'll get our crew to the top of Bellsfield for a big, hopefully, sunset shot so that when we know oh. the wedding is there, we'll send you a video shot from Cork. How would that feel? Oh, that's so special. That would that's be so amazing. Oh, well, you know, what, you know what, guys? You let, you let us know what the dates are in the venues, and we'll make that happen this end. How's that for you? Awesome. Thank that's you so nice. much. I, we really appreciate it. Have a wonderful future together, guys. Lovely talking to you both. Likewise. Take care. Thank Thanks for having us. Bye. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Maha. Thanks, Ali. Lovely people. I know they're downstairs now going, what has he just committed us to? That could be fun. We'll make something happen. Be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, if they're going to have their wedding ceremonies in Toronto and New York and Pakistan, but they got engaged on Bell's Field, there at least has to be something from Bell's Field at that wedding. No, I'm not sending them a box set of the young offenders. No, I'm not doing that. We'll do something, though. We will definitely do something. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Yeah, just tell you, we have actually got a name for this League of Ireland footballer, but we're not able to 110% pin it down yet. But we do have a name. 
a very strong Cork City FC connection, on loan in fact, has been given permission by his club to go join the Love Island Villa for the season because of the life-changing opportunity that it brings. More will be revealed, of course, when he arrives. And there's a name written down behind the glass in there. I can't give it to you because we haven't been able to 100% nail it down just yet. But when we do, when we do, 0818 96 96 96. Now, have you anything you want to be doing on the 24th of June? It is a Saturday. It is two weeks from next Saturday. If you have even the slightest interest in Dolly Parton, yes, Dolly Parton, you might like to get yourself to Listowel in County Kerry on June the 24th. What's more, you might like to dress up as Dolly Parton on the 24th of June to take part in, well, hey, talk about an original name, Dolly Day. The idea is to get as many Dolly Partons as is humanly possible to Listowel on the 24th of June. It would appear that Dolly is fully aware of all this and and has given it her backing. Cora O'Brien is the organiser of the whole thing back in Listowel on the 24th of June and she joins me. Cora, good morning to you. Good morning. Well, we are doing this, first of all, for two charities here in Listowel. We're doing it for Kerry Hospice and we're doing it for Comfort for Chemo. So it's an event to raise money um, for both of those charities because I'm on a committee of 14 and those charities are very close to all our hearts. You did a thing a couple of years ago called Nun Day. You got loads (laughs) of nuns. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. We um, broke a Guinness World Record that time for um, the largest gathering of people dressed as nuns. So the record we had to beat that time was 250. Yeah. And we absolutely smashed it because we had 1,436 people dressed as nuns. Yeah. Do you happen to know what the world record is for the number of dollies in one place? There isn't one. So uh, we are actually going to be setting it this time. Oh, that's, so, that's putting it out yeah. there. That's putting it out there. Why Dolly? Yeah. You, you're a fan, I take it. Yeah, well, who isn't a fan of Dolly Parton? Um, I suppose, first of all, when we had been chatting with Guinness World Records, they had said, you know, you need to pick an icon. So we thought of, okay, country and Western singers, icons, it Mm. had to be Dolly Parton. Um, I suppose Dolly Parton does so much already for charity. It's actually an honour for us to be able to do this in her name. Yeah. She has um, Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. I believe Cork is actually one of the libraries that it's in. Indeed. A few years ago, I, I was hoping to speak to her about it. Sadly, we didn't make her schedule. Maybe one day. But yes, there is a, a branch of her yeah. library here. Her, her library has links to Cork. Yeah. So, I mean, that gives out over two million books per month to children throughout the world. So she does a lot already for um, young people. She's also, like, who doesn't love 9 to 5, Jolene. I mean, her music is absolutely fantastic. She's got a rock album coming out in November, Mm. collaboration with Miley Cyrus, Pink. So she's just fantastic. We're all excited for that. Actually, she was in the marquee here in Cork a few years ago, and it was 
a mega gig. Oh, God, I'm sorry, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is she aware of what you're doing in Listall? Yes, she is. She's aware because um, actually um, a woman that doesn't live too far from Cork in Ballygran in County Limerick, Lillian Nocton, she is cousins with Eugene Nocton. And Eugene Nocton happens to be the president of Dollywood, Right. Um, Dolly's theme park in Nashville and we sent we did write a letter to Dolly inviting her to Listowel for the event Yes, we gave it to um, Eugene who showed it to Dolly and she was actually checking her schedule for a while so we were holding our breaths there yeah. for a while thinking so, oh my so there, God. Was, there was a possibility like she could end up having a, having a pint yeah. in, in John B. Keane's <laughs> There was, there was a possibility she could have ended up in John B's for a pint. Right. Uh, like she, she was already visited Paddy O'Shea's in Kerry a few years back. Oh, did she? She did, yeah. Yeah, and she put on the Kerry jersey. <laughs> so no. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose um, we in Cork, we, we're, we're not the only ones who can own anybody at the slightest possible opportunity. <laughs> Yes, that's right. We have our own. We have our own um, ownership here in Kerry too. <laughs> and Cork people are more than welcome to take part in Dolly Day in Listowel. So, how do they do that? Okay, so what they do is they go on to Eventbrite, and when you go on to Eventbrite, you just type in Dolly Day, and you can register there. Um, registration is thirty euros, and when you register, you're going to get our official Dolly Parton wig. Um, we provide you with that, and then you come up with your own costume. So you can just go online and just see what would Dolly wear normally, mm. and it's usually lots of glitz, glam, cowboy boots, jeans. We have picked um, some easy outfits, and they are on our Eventbrite page. Oh, cool. So you can pick one of those, or you can pick one yourself. And if you pick one yourself, just bring the photo of Dolly wearing that, because we're not going to know every outfit that Dolly has worn, so we need to be able to see oh, that. Um, so it's got yeah. to be an outfit she has worn, presumably on stage. Yes. Yeah, in stage or public performance. We well, see. Um, yeah, so, and like I said, we have given examples of those on the Eventbrite page. Like, we've picked the more simpler ones. <laughs> um, but you can go wild and you can go to your local charity shops and you will be able to pick up something based on something Dolly has worn. I'm intrigued by the idea that you're going to give everybody a wig. That, I assume, yes. is to let men give it a go as well, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, I mean, and, and the thing is, you have to be instantly recognisable as Dolly Parton, so you need to have her features as much as you possibly can. Right, In, including the very yeah. obvious? Yes, including the very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be challenging for some of the men, but... Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> it sounds like it's going to be the most wonderful fun. Will there be Dolly music in Listowel on the day? Oh, there will for sure. Um, we're going to have entertainment on the street, so they'll be line dancing at some stage. Um, we're also It's all taking place in the Emmets football pitch. We're going to have entertainment up there as well. I suppose just to add to that, when we did contact Eugene Nocton, the president of Dollywood, because Dolly can't come, Eugene has decided to get on a plane and join us for the day. Oh. So he will be here, yeah. 
And along with that, they have given us a prize of $10,000 a $10, prize, which we are going to be auctioning through Shepherds Auctioneers on the 27th of June. Right. And that is a two-night stay in Dolly Parton's tour bus in Nashville in Tennessee. A tour bus? Yes, so her tour bus is, um, it's now stationed in Dollywood and you can stay there. Oh, like, an Airbnb, like an Airbnb? <laughs> it's like an Airbnb Crank. Dolly tour bus, yeah. This is <laughs> a serious car. fans prize, like. Oh my God, yeah. That's why we decided to auction it, because it opens it up internationally. It's um, an international auctioneer. And I presume that all of the proceeds from the auction will also go into your charity fund. Yes, they will, of course. And Shepherd auctioneers are uh, giving their time for free to do that as well. Fantastic. Do you know yeah. what? It sounds like the pictures alone <laughs> yeah. will go global. Yeah, well, hopefully, I suppose the last time our pictures from Nunday were fantastic. So I would imagine Dolly will be fairly similar. And they'll all be sent to her. We'll send Eugene back with a big package from here. <laughs> Who's to know she won't come another time? Exactly. Well, we've made the connection now, so hopefully you never know what could happen from that. Tell me once again, Cora, how people get involved. I know, I know there's people around Cork will be just loving this idea. So mm-hmm. Eventbrite, and they look up what on Eventbrite? Eventbrite, look up Dolly Day. Um, you can also look up Dolly Day on Facebook and Instagram. All the rules and regulations and everything you need to know are on Eventbrite, Facebook and Instagram. Listol won't know what hit it, Cora. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> have, a gra- yeah. have, a, have a huge... Su- I, I wish you great success. It's a, it's a fun event and I wish you great yeah. success for that. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers, Cora. Uh, that should be fun. So go on to eventbrite.ie and just look up Dolly Day. I can remember the night she played the marquee. There was more pink cowboy hats going down, going down Monaghan Road. It was fantastic. There was there was more pink cowboy hats than you'd see at a Garth Book concert um, for Dolly Day. There was a great night. She did all the hits and she was fantastic. A few gangs, a big gang from here actually went in to see her that night at the marquee. So get thyself to. Listol, if you want to be part of Dolly Day 2023, and maybe establish a world record for the number of dollies in one place at the one time. 0818969696. Do you want to win Apple AirPods with Cork's 96? Holidays coming up, do you know? They'll be very handy by the pool. You can listen to your tunes, or you can listen to us. And by the way, if you are going on holidays... Remember, you can take us with you. Wherever you are in the world, you can take us with you. Download the app and you'll be able to hear the show or hear the podcasts or indeed get in touch with us through WhatsApp, which is free from wherever you are. So if you're sitting by the pool somewhere and you fancy getting involved in the conversation, you can do it over the next few weeks and months. So uh, download the app. But you need to take our Cork Music Survey as well. It'll take you 10 minutes. Help us to choose the music we play. And that way, you could win your very own AirPods. Give it a go right now. You'll find the link on the website at 96fm.ie. Right, Rod Stewart with tickets every day this week. Rod playing the marquee on the 20th of June. It's Tuesday. Also there on Wednesday... 21st. I think there are some tickets left for the second gig. The first gig is completely sold out, but we've got the last set of tickets in the building. 
the last few sets of tickets in the building and we have one every day for you this week Rod uh, Rod's winner today Patrick Kidney of Mayfield tomorrow is my birthday says Patrick well happy birthday Patrick and I hope you enjoy the show um, something that's coming up uh, towards the end of the week that you might be interested in is we'll be asking the question are we eating our way to extinction that's half past ten on Friday We'll be talking to climate activists, to young Cork students and local sustainable food producers who are working hard on a daily basis to save the planet. And we'll be asking the question, are you doing your bit? That's later this week, Friday, half past ten. We'll be asking you the question, are we eating our way to extinction? That's it for today. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did, and we should talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. You guys ready? Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Make sure you're with me every weekday on the big drive home where it's all about the music. Catch the biggest artist interviews. Niall had planned a trip to Mullingar. It was a lot more hard work than I was expecting it to be. Win tickets for the coolest gigs. I am 100% the biggest artist fan that you will find. And pick the playlist yourself on the takeover. Hi, it's Sir from Glenmoyer. Can you play Pink for me on the takeover tonight? For all all of that and more, join me every weekday from 4. The Big Drive Home. With Independence Music and Arts Festival. Magic and memories at Indie 23. Tickets at independencefestival.com. Cork's 96 FM. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.